This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. And by the grace of God, it is finally Friday. Hopefully you had a uh, wonderful week. My uh, team has uh, got a bye week this week. So uh, those of you Democrats, it's not what you think. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, if you want to check out the podcast, by the way, and uh, do it this weekend if you're cleaning out your garage. Chances are you won't have any classified documents in it. But if you're cleaning out the garage or doing it, whatever, just uh, go to it's newsmax.com slash... Listen, there you go. Take it right to the whole uh, radio division, which uh, which is me. So uh, Newsmax.com <laughs> slash uh, listen. Speaking of garages, this is uh, new from my friend Jim Gaskin. He's got a live show in Atlanta this weekend. You should go see it. Inside Joe's garage were some documents that should have never been there. The stash was very large. Yeah, pretty big. Joe was still BP, no authority to declassify. Mm-hmm. Joe tried to say he didn't know they were there. His denials made no sense. Mm-hmm. Dementia will be his defense. Oh, yeah. You, you know, or, 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 or the mom and dad. Or, 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 or. They were there in Joe's garage. <laughs> yeah. And the special counsel is a Biden hack. Oh, yeah. Who won't file a single charge. <laughs> he is a hack. They were unprotected. He was unelected. No, he wasn't president. <laughs> they raided Trump, who, unlike Joe, Declassified each stock. The double standard is a total crime. <laughs> they were there in Joe's garage. Yes. They were classified and Joe Biden lied. Okay, so I guess that's the song Joe's Garage by Frank Zappa. I, I, I've had more people say, Oh, you want to do a parody of Frank Zappa's song? I'm like, Well, can I do a song that was heard by fewer people when it was out there? <laughs> you know? I know, I know. I offend the Frank Zappa fans out there. Sorry, and it was still funny though. I didn't even know that song, but it is, I thought they, I thought he made all the points of what we got to do. Right? It's what we got to do. Uh, by the way, this is interesting. Uh, more hidden docs likely to be found. Corinne Jean Pierre Dodges when asked if uh, Biden is uh, confident, confident there will be no additional ones. Uh, here's the. Uh, this is the headline. This is from the Gateway Pundit. Deep State is circling the wagons, preparing to kneecap Joe Biden. Kind of the vibe I'm getting. Maybe I'm wrong. 80-year-old Biden has uh, has overstayed his welcome in the Democrat state complex is preparing to toss him in the garbage can. <laughs> On Monday, it was revealed top-secret intelligence documents related to Ukraine, UK, and Iran were found in uh, Joe's private office shortly before the 2022 midterm elections, and they didn't bring the story up until now, which is what the FBI does, which is the what the DOG does. They did it in 2016. They did it in 2020. 
It's as if uh, White House press pool has been given the green light to go after Joe Biden. And didn't they yesterday for the very first time? It wasn't just uh, Peter Ducey asking the serious questions. I know. That's why this whole thing stinks to high heaven. That's why I'm telling you that, uh, well, duh, that's what just, this, it, it, this is what it feels like. This is what it looks like. And if it weren't so uh, just abse- abjectly upside down compared to how the press has treated him the, last, the first two years of his presidency, uh, then it would be uh, less conspicuous. But it is absolutely different. This is from uh, this morning on the glorious Newsmax uh, television channel with Rob Finnerty and uh, a talking to... Um, who is this? Uh, Tom Basil, among others, about the documents found in uh, Joe Biden's uh, home. Yeah, it's Hunter Biden's laptop 2.0 here. Yeah. Something that the, the three-letter agencies knew was was real. They kept it under wraps until after the election. This is Hogan Gidley, by the way, former uh, national press secretary for the Trump campaign. Same thing applies here. They knew this thing was real. They knew that they that Joe Biden had these documents and kept them secret, of course, until... Um, after the election, it's no wonder so many on the right always talk about the deep state and so many on the left say that's not a real thing. I mean, every time one of these things occurs, it appears as though there's suppression when it comes to a, um, a Democrat being exposed for something negative. But if it's a Republican, it's always out there in real time. Yes, because the Democrat Party has control of the deep state. There are deep state operators in all of the major branches of government, and they all lean very, very left. We knew about Mar-a-Lago immediately. We knew where the documents were. We knew details. There were pictures leaked out of all these classified (laughs) documents spread everywhere, of course, which he was allowed to have because he was president, Joe Biden. Wasn't allowed to have them, as Mike, as Matt Whitaker just pointed out. So the reason they do these types of things is because it pushes their own agenda. Every time there's a mistake, it's a mistake on behalf of the Democrats. I think everyone sees that now, and time and time again, it happens. These agencies need to be investigated. Oh, yeah, and they're going to be, actually, and that's maybe why this is all coming up. Barbara in Baltimore has been nice enough to hold it. I know she's got something she wants to say about this. Barbara, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. Thanks so much for taking my call. I got the popcorn ready. I am so pumped. I tell you how happy I am. I mean, sunlight is the best disinfectant, isn't it? It's like time for cleanup on aisle 46. Yeah, Barbara, I don't think a disinfectant is going to be needed. Maybe some some antibiotics uh, might be good. (laughs) It is Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, after all. Oh, not kidding. <laughs> those filthy animals. But, you know, it, what, what I love about this, uh, oh, before I start, I just want to say, I think Hank Johnson has got to be an example of the ignorant fool the Democrats send to Congress. He's right there with Max Lee, the Sheila Jackson Lee. I'm telling you. But you know what he is? You know, you know what? He, he's the male version of AOC. He is dumb as a box of rocks without the rocks. Yes, he is dumb. I mean, can you imagine Guam tipping over from the population? I'm like, when you said that, that was too much for me. I know, I know, anyway, I know. I think, I think what's getting ready to happen here, number one, uh, Joey is out. Uh, yeah. He's about to get the Fredo treatment. Remember? Fredo. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's going to be cleanup for sure. And I think a lot of people, uh, even some uh, Republicans, are going to end up retiring. They're not going to run for office again. It's going to be a number of them, and I do expect Lindsey Graham to be in that number along with Mitt Romney. There are a lot of Republicans, rhinos, 
those uh, establishments that have been paid off by China. That's what's going to come out from this, in my opinion. And the reason it's coming out now, uh, not only to get rid of Joe, but I think they know Donald Trump knows what's in those papers. Mm-hmm. And the possibility yeah. Donald Trump has got copies because you know how meticulous he is about stuff. And he's always said that now is the time for the Republicans to just tear him apart. Yeah. Just have the impeachment. I'm not down with all this special counsel. That it's too much money. They they waste millions on that crap, and it doesn't go anywhere. I'd like to see the impeachment. I'd like to see it on C-SPAN. That's what I think they're going to do. And I think we're we're in for uh, a reckoning. They're, these things are going to come out, and I'm just excited about it. I think we're going to find more documents too. Yeah, Barbara, I agree. I agree. Barbara, I, I just, and I do hope that this is a day of reckoning for Washington, D.C., for all of the abuses and usurpations that, by the way, and I've said this, I've said this, I've said this for years, uh, the abuses and, re- and usurpations of our federal government against the American people with regard to freedom of speech, with regard to freedom, uh, pale, make the, make the founders, uh, grievances against the crown pale by comparison. Nothing even close. They could have only imagined the malfeasance. Barbara, I gotta run. I gotta run. Thanks for the phone call. Have a great weekend. Here is uh, Senator John Kennedy. He's the king of colloquial. Love this guy. Here are his thoughts about uh, about what's going on with Joe Biden and the hidden documents. The White House has tried. And Cl- classified documents, no longer hidden. The White House doesn't have enough hazmat suits to clean up this mess, <laughs> aside from the obvious that uh, the Justice Department is investigating President Trump for something that President Biden himself may have done. There are a lot of other intriguing questions for the Inspector General. The Penn-Biden Center is not some normal Ivy League think tank. It was, we now know that it's in Washington, D.C. It was a slush fund hangout, a clubhouse for President Biden and his people before they were inaugurated. And allegedly it is funded with tens of millions of dollars uh, from China. Yeah. What, what's up with that? Yeah. And again, this is these are questions that the uh, the press should be asking. But they didn't even think that Hunter Biden's laptop was a story. And the federal government told them there was nothing to see here. It didn't exist. And they knew it. 2019, they knew it. Everybody in the deep state knows what the Biden family has been up to while Joe Biden has been the, the president and while Joe Biden has been in Washington, D.C. Everybody in the deep state knows it. They just thought that they could cover it up and cover it up and cover it up. And now they're realizing that that effort is going to be too big to justify. And it's going to cast a pall on the Democrat Party. But even this isn't going to save them. Here's a, uh, a headline from Andrew McCarthy. Uh, Biden already admitted guilt. He's just betting Garland doesn't prosecute him. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, there will be much to chew on as the criminal investigation of President Biden by newly appointed special counsel Robert Herr. Biden Attorney General Merrick Garland laid out the facts of this case that drove him to the decision. Biden, while he was a private citizen after the conclusion of his term as vice president, retained batches of classified material at unauthorized locations. The subjects, of course, will be that this compares favorably to former President Donald Trump's conduct, hoarding hundreds of documents, fighting government efforts to retrieve them for two years, misleading investigators, none of that happened, and claiming in the absence of any known proof to have declassified the documents. You could say that all you want, but he all he had to do, literally, he could just wave his hand over and go, declassified, 
You can't prove he didn't do it. Yet the subtext doesn't change the stubborn fact that Biden is apparently guilty of essentially the same offense for which Trump's under investigation by special counsel. If Trump is charged, but her discloses the Biden case by recommending against an indictment, millions of Americans will be irate. Biden, for whom Garland and her ultimately work, can't afford that. Which brings us to the most significant equity of all on the question of whether charges should be filed. Precedent. Specifically, the Hillary Clinton precedent. The Biden team knows that Clinton committed willful misconduct in the email scandal and got, a, uh, got away with it. She purposely established a homebrew server system and improperly conducted government uh, business for over uh, over several years, evading government record keeping requirements. When she was found out, she destroyed tens of thousands of government records. Joe Biden could have just done that. Yeah, could have been, including uh, classified intelligence, even though she knew her emails were relevant to ongoing investigations. But you can't answer that. You can't ask that question because, you know, she's Hillary Clinton. By the way, remember, she said all those emails were about uh, planning her daughter's wedding and yoga, to which I say, <laughs> you really expect us to believe you do yoga. Uh, if Hillary Clinton is uh, the operative precedent, the Biden Justice Department, i.e. the Obama Biden Justice Department, won't charge them. Um, you know, who knows? Who knows? But uh, Robert Hur apparently is a uh, 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 an insider, a political tool, a swamp dweller. Here is uh, Cash Patel on... Um, on Real America's Voice talking about this uh, this special counsel. Important thing I'm going to say tonight. This guy, her, needs to be the first one subpoenaed by the new special select committee under Jim Jordan's authority on the weaponization of government. And do you want to know why? Because why? her, we have the receipts, Steve, and we're going to release them later, was sending communications to the Justice Department and Rod Rosenstein's crew arguing against the release of the Nunes memo, saying that it would bastardize and destroy the United States national security apparatus. This guy is a swamp monster of the tier one level. He's a government gangster. He's now in charge of the continued crime scene cover-up, which is why the first congressional subpoena that has to go out for the weaponization of government subcommittee is against her. Her, H-U-R, not her, like, you know, somebody who's a, well, I would say a woman, but that just kind of changed, I guess. So them, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, more on this coming up. Also, Sean, you'll be up next. Dave, you as well. This is The Rob Carson Show. Time to put Nancy, Joe, Chuck, Bernie, and Mitch in a retirement home. Rest well and rest easy. You deserve it. It's The Rob Carson Show. So coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, Jorge Galicia. You don't know who he is. I don't know who he is. We're going to get to know him. This guy, uh, he had a middle-class life in uh, Venezuela, and then he had to escape for his life. He's going to talk us, to us about the country's economic, uh, social, and political collapse, and uh, I would assume he might even make some comparisons to the crap that we're going through here. I'm pretty much, if he doesn't do it, I will, because, yeah, uh, there's plenty of comparisons. Here is the uh, media reaction to the Mar-a-Lago raid last year. If uh, the Trump people represent that they provided all the classified or national security information and didn't, uh, that's a serious problem. No one is above the law. Yep. Says the woman who destroyed 30-plus thousand classified documents. Rule of law in a democracy. And the media went, okay, that's cool. It's about yoga. It's about your daughter's wedding. Um, you know, half 
to be our standard. No person is above the law. Oh, boy. I'm just going to hold on one second. I probably shouldn't have eaten breakfast this morning. Got a little... uh, A little throw up in the mouth there. Uh, Here is the media talking about how different this is, by the way. Joe Biden's documents are than those nuclear documents that Trump had. There is another key difference between the cases, though. In Biden's case, his attorneys reported the discovery and cooperated by turning them over immediately. That was not the case, of course, with Trump. So in the Mar-a-Lago case, that really does appear to be a much more complicated case. Of course, we're seeing a very... No, not really. It's uh, simpler. It's only one location. It was uh, locked up, and the DOJ already was aware of it. And they said, ah, just keep it and go ahead and lock it up. Big difference in what the Biden White House... And Donald Trump was a president. He could make him uh, declassify him, which he... Uh, very easily could have done, probably did. Is doing around this and what Trump has done. And even if he didn't, it doesn't matter. Night and day. You have the inadvertent, we don't even know if Biden had anything to do with it. There are important distinctions between this and the swirl of controversy around Donald Trump and the documents at Mar-a-Lago. What you see in that document's case is a textbook example of the best possible way of handling the discovery of government documents. Yeah, that's the comparison between Mar-a-Lago and now. The Democrats are trying to say that they're completely different and, and Joe Biden is on the up and up. Here's what the, uh, here's what the media, I might got this way. Not even the president of the United States, not even a former president okay. of the United right. States. I got computer issue here, I got a little, little glitch here. Let's move on from that. Here is, uh, I'll just move on to this, Tucker Carlson uh, talking about how um, uh, the difference between the two, and there's really no difference at all. What they're forgetting is that the Trump raid took place in August, not that long ago, and a lot of people still remember the details from it. Trump and his lawyers met with federal investigators and showed them the classified documents that had been stored at Mar-a-Lago. And the FBI told Trump's lawyers, hey, put a lock on the door of the store. This is all true, by the way. So they did. Then, when Trump's attorneys volunteered that there were more classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, volunteered, including the famous cocktail napkin, the FBI showed up with guns. And everyone knows that, including everyone you just saw in the clip. They are lying. And that's a problem because they're trying to obscure the saddest fact of modern life, which is there's now an obvious double standard in American justice. And that- There you go. And that's the seed of it all right there. And that's where it's all going to hit the fan. That's what Democrats are freaking out about. That's why they're switching into damage control. Uh, And that's why they are attempting to uh, use Joe Biden as ballast to keep the Democrat uh, Zeppelin afloat. Hey, that was a pretty good analogy. Let's go to Dave in uh, Crownsville, Maryland. Dave, welcome to the show, man. What's up? Hey, Rob. I really enjoy your show. I'd like to talk about a couple things if I could. First of all, if I found some documents that could possibly destroy me, guess what? They'd go in a fireplace quick, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And the other thing is, you know, we could be in a very precarious position right now, the country could, because uh, when presidents get into trouble, like Clinton did with Melinda, uh, Monica Lewinsky, they start bombing other countries. And that was <laughs> me. Wagging the dog. Wagging the dog. Exactly, exactly. And, hey, I don't want to get off subject or anything. You had a gentleman on yesterday talking about a uh, constitutional convention, and I enjoyed listening to him. But I worry about that because which party is shiftier and more questionable and more corrupt, uh, Democrats or, or Republicans? We, we know which one. 
And they, they could possibly take over a constitutional convention and do away with their Second Amendment, First Amendment, and everything. They could, they, we could come out of that with a whole new constitution. That's what worries me. Well, I, I can understand your uh, your paranoia. <laughs> I, I I don't think that would happen, Dave. I think uh, I know the people involved in putting it together, and I don't see how they would uh, allow that to be infiltrated. I don't blame you, do because honestly, uh, things in this country have gotten so beyond messed up at this point. We don't know what to believe right now. We're living a Tom Clancy novel. Tom Clancy's like son of a gun. I should have come up with this. I mean, what I did was, I mean. Mild by comparison to what you know to what's going on in the in the U.S. All right, so coming up, going to talk about Venezuela. I do want to talk about Lisa Marie Presley, and I'll explain why it's a big deal. This is the Rob Carson Show. If the left tells you to quiet down, get louder. It's the Rob Carson Show. I believe that uh, the 118th Congress is the firewall between us and uh, Venezuela, uh, becoming Venezuela, that is, for a lot of reasons. Uh, we have seen some uh, tremendous similarities with regard to, uh, you know, the descent of, uh, of uh, countries into uh, leftist hellholes. Um, and, and we've seen that. I mean, for instance, you know, just a few years ago, I, I said, man, you know what? Our, uh, our, uh, our grocery stores are looking more like Venezuela and our car lots are looking more like Cuba. And... Uh, I was, I was, I'm right. Right now, things are becoming uh, prohibitively expensive. The price of eggs. I saw a report the other night. I think it might have been a Tucker's show. This woman says, hey, I went down and I bought a 12-pack of eggs the other night. It cost me almost $12. I'm like, well, they used to call them a dozen. <laughs> but the price of eggs is through the ceiling. Everything is through the ceiling. Uh, we did go through a period uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. No toilet paper, no uh, paper towels, uh, price of gas going through the ceiling. Uh, the government uh, basically giving people benefits for not working at all. A destruction of the uh, society in so many different ways. And somebody who has lived through it all with regard to uh, Venezuela and the leftward lurch of that country and the destruction of millions of lives as well as the economy... He is uh, Jorge Galicia, and he joins us on the phone right now. Uh, Jorge, welcome to the show, my friend. Glad to have you on. Hello. How are you? Thank you so much for the invitation. Very good. Now, Jorge, let me ask you this. You you lived in uh, Venezuela. Um, What did you do there? Uh, You obviously are from Venezuela. Tell me about your your life and uh, that led you up to having to leave the country. Not every detail of your life, by the way. Yeah, of course. Well... I came here to the United States four years ago, and basically the reason I came from Venezuela to here is because in Venezuela I was a political activist. I was uh, basically rooting for the return of the of democracy, the return of republicanism, and, and individual liberty for every single Venezuelan. And because of my actions, well, in the year 2017, one of my best friends was uh, captured by police because of our involvement in the massive demonstrations that were going on in, in the nation that year. And, well, because of, of him being captured, I was also forced to go into hiding because the police was also after me. So I, was, uh, I needed to go in, I, I, I went into hiding into a, into a religious place in Venezuela. Of course, I am not allowed to reveal a lot of information about this place, but basically I needed to turn off completely my cell phone, shut down all of my social media accounts, it was a life-changing experience for me. And then the year later, I, ma- I managed to, I kept my head down for a while. My friend was released from prison three months after this event. 
And, well, I managed to finish my law degree. I am an attorney back in Venezuela. But then I, I, I needed to escape the nation because I was still in danger, right? And I came to the U.S. I did a leadership program at Arizona State University. And once I did that, I was, as I said, forced to claim asylum. I'm seeking asylum here in the United States because I know for a fact that if I return to Venezuela under these same circumstances, I'm going to end up in some prison, right? <laughs> Let me ask you, uh, Jorge, you've been here for four years and you've seen the uh, the march towards totalitarian and the, uh, totalitarianism in the United States. I would assume things like, um, uh, you know, social media accounts telling you what is misinformation and disinformation, the government deciding what the truth is and you not being able to say anything about it, which we have seen. I mean, uh, un- unbelievable affront to the First Amendment. When you saw things like this happening in the United States, um, how how close did it mirror what happened to Venezuela and and what you experienced? Well, there are definitely signs of caution, right? Like all all of you, what you're saying is true. However, I do have to say that what we have in Venezuela is com- is a complete nightmare. I mean, I, I still feel like a really uh, free individual here in the U.S. Thanks God, despite all of the problems that you're mentioning, right? Like. In Venezuela, you could literally go to jail for writing a, a tweet. You know, that's something that happens a lot in in, in, a, in a place like Venezuela. And you, even though you have all of these corporations that are trying to censor us, you, you you're not going to prison for saying the the wrong thing, or at least not that I know. But yeah, but, but yeah definitely <laughs> there are there are warning signs that we need to take action to 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 counterattack because if we keep this stuff. If we let this stuff keep going, well, we might end up in a a not-so-distant future in a place like Venezuela, right? (laughs) Yeah, Jorge, Jorge, when you were there, uh, you you lived through the uh, uh, regime of, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the... the, the, the former leader who passed away uh, and his daughter's worth a billion dollars. Why am I drawing a blank on her name? Yeah. Hugo Chavez. Hugo Chavez. So you uh, saw you saw uh, Hugo Chavez in the direction that he took the country. Talk, talk to me about how things changed in Venezuela under his leadership, and now you've got essentially a clone of that. How how is what was life like? What did it become in Venezuela before you finally said, "I can't be here anymore"? Yeah, I think people need to understand that this is a process that was gradual like uh, it was little by little the change right it didn't this didn't happen the collapse didn't happen like one minute to another i would say that the first major step that venezuela taking to socialism it didn't even happen when hugo chavez took power it happened in the year 1975 when venezuela decided to nationalize our oil industry Ah. When our problems actually started to appear, we started to suffer a little bit of inflation, uh, uh, you know, a scarcity of products due to uh, price controls. And uh, a lot of the things that we are complaining about today, this actually started to happen back in the year 75. But guess what? When we did that, when we nationalized our oil industry, everybody started to blame capitalism for the fails of, of the economy. Of and, it course. and it wasn't thanks to capitalism. And then Hugo Chavez came. He claimed that he was going to fix all of the problems by promoting more socialism. And unfortunately, people bought this into his message. And then, well, in the year 2013, that's when the collapse was extremely evident. In my house, for example, we stopped having water supply. 
food became really hard to find. I lost a lot of weight because it because it was either hard to find or or unaffordable. And well, that's how the process was in a nutshell. <laughs> Now, when you uh, looked at the United States, you spent your entire life, and you're, you're a pretty young guy. You, uh, you're working with uh, what Young America Foundation um, as a as a, a speaker, um, but you you know you're fairly fairly young. Uh, when you looked at America growing up, did you see a shining city on a hill? Did you see a place that you would be eventually, or were you hoping to stay in Venezuela if Venezuela were run properly? I mean, I love America. I am enjoying my life here uh, more than ever. I mean, I have seen like more of the double of the triple of the opportunities that I ever saw in my entire life in Venezuela. But this was never my plan. My plan was always to be in Venezuela and, I don't know, be someone there. I still want to do that. I, I wish for the day that Venezuela becomes a free nation again and I can maybe return, maybe go back and forth. I don't know. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I still believe that America has a lot to offer. That's why people like me choose America to, as, as the place to be. I love this nation, and I want to keep, you know, I, I want to keep the, the the reason why America is so good is because we can be free individuals, because we can we can participate in trade in in, in capitalism, and I want to keep keep it that way because otherwise I'm going to end up going through the same all over again, and I don't want to experience that. Exactly. Uh, again <laughs> I, I used to make a joke about venezuela i hope you won't be offended but uh uh you know a few years ago you couldn't get groceries in and i said the most popular uh the most popular restaurant in venezuela is the zoo uh, and that's because uh, people were literally going to the zoo in in your country's capital and hunting the animals there to eat them um we've never experienced anything like that here jorge uh to, to what depths did you have to go to just to feed yourself when you lived in in, in venezuela well, listen, in the, I think a lot has changed since I left, of course, but at least in the year 2016, 2017, in my house, we just stopped eating beef or chicken and uh, on almost any protein. We, my, my mom substituted that with uh, different grains and stuff, and that's, that's what we could afford, or that's what we could uh, eat, uh, find in the marketplace because it was extremely difficult to find. Uh, that situation has changed a little bit with the past of the time, and actually because of U.S. sanctions, uh, people don't know this. I don't know if I have, uh, people don't really know about this, but when U.S. sanctions were applied against the Venezuelan economy, Maduro was basically forced to allow Venezuelans to do, uh, for example, now he's allowing Venezuelans to use the U.S. dollar as a currency. He's now uh, lifting a lot of the price control that we were used to see in the past. He's allowing Venezuelans to import products from abroad so that has that brought a little bit of a relief for the venezuelan economy nothing to expect let me ask you this jorge what, what what do you think about joe biden uh making us energy dependent again and uh, giving the thumbs up to uh getting uh, uh oil from venezuela do you suppose that will only embolden maduro of course of course it is extremely unfortunate to see that the direction that the biden administration is taking towards uh uh, Venezuela. I, I mean, Maduro is receiving all kind of, uh, of of money because of all of this uh, new oil business, uh, oil business, and even his uh, his nephew was recently released. He was charged here in the U.S. for narco trafficking, and he was uh, pardoned by Biden. Now he's free in Venezuela, and in return, Maduro has not given anything for to us. And the democratic cause in Venezuela is as dead as ever. Uh, we are still seeing how. 
people like me, political activists, are being incarcerated massively in Venezuela. Uh, you know, censorship all over the place. It's horrible. It's horrible. We feel, we as Venezuelans, and not only Venezuelans, but Cubans, Nicaraguans, all of these uh, people from our hemisphere feel are feeling abandoned by by the by the administration. And it is funny because they 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 take they spend so many resources and time focusing on Ukraine. And I know Ukrainians need a lot of help, but maybe it would be smarter for a country like the U.S. to pay more attention to the problems that are literally are at your border. A lot of Venezuelans crossing, a lot of Cubans crossing. And we, this could be easily fixed if we uh, engage in, in, in if, if we add pressure to all of these regimes that are causing so much, so much harm, right? But no, we are focusing on other far distance places. <laughs> of course, Jorge, I greatly appreciate you uh, you joining me today. I'd love to have you on again to talk about it. Let me just kind of a non sequitur. You, you live in America. Uh, what is the, the your favorite thing about America as far as food is concerned? What's the thing that you really love about American food? Is it cheeseburgers? Is it pizza? What is it? Uh, that's, a, that's a good one. I think, uh, yeah, I would say, listen, I don't have any, any preference, but I love the fact that I can just uh, eat as much as I want and I'm not going to go bankrupt for eating a cheeseburger or a pizza. <laughs> I love all of that. But yes. Yeah, I, I, love, I just love the freedom that I got ever since I arrived. <laughs> All right, Jorge, God bless you, bro. I appreciate your time today. Uh, where can people find you on social media? I know you're working with the Young America Foundation. Where can people find out about you? Yeah, a quick, a quick clarification. I don't work directly with, uh, with Jack. I work with uh, an organization named the Fund for American Studies, DFAS. Okay. And I do work with Jack. We collaborate a lot, but... Uh, yeah, people can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JorgeGalicia95. You can reach out to me. Maybe if you need a speaker from Venezuela to speak about these issues, I'm more than happy to do it. All right. So, All right. Yeah. Jorge, uh, thanks for joining me, man. It's G-A-L-I-C-I-A, JorgeGalicia95, right, on, uh, on Twitter? Absolutely, yeah. All right, brother. Have a glorious weekend, and thank you for joining me today. Let's take a break. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. Time to put critical race theory in critical condition. It's the Rob Carson Show. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out. King of rock and roll. Because I love you too much, baby. Yesterday we heard word that his daughter... Uh, Lisa Marie Presley, who was really uh, kind of a connection for uh, for me to him, to his uh, to his legacy. I'll tell you why I'm sharing this story today. Lisa Marie Presley, of course, uh, died yesterday. She was 15 years, 54 years old, and she uh, suffered cardiac arrest. I would venture to say it was a broken heart, to be quite honest. Let me explain my connection to Elvis Presley. When Elvis Presley died, and this is going to be hard for you uh, millennials or Gen Zers to understand that I could be this old. I was 11 when he died. And I cried for a year because he was my idol. I discovered him late. I mean, after he was already fading. I mean, I, I, just, I was like in third grade and I heard my first Elvis record. And it was like a new artist. I, I didn't know his history. I just knew this man's voice. And I was like, my God in heaven, he's glory. He's incredible. And then I looked at him as a boy who was bullied. Every day of my life. When I was in first grade, I'd get on the bus. I was the first person to get on the bus in the morning and the last person to get off. Well, actually, I was close. 
I was last to get off at night, and I was, you know, the bus, there were a lot, a lot of kids. But anyway, I get on a bus in the morning, and this was in the, in the 1970s, and there was a TV commercial on uh, on uh, TV, and, and it used a, a stanza from a Beethoven song. It was, dun, 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 I remember that. And the kids would use it as a chant for me. The, because I was a heavy kid, I was a fat kid, they, they'd go, sickening tub, everybody on the bus. When you're in first grade, and you're greeted by all of the kids on the bus doing that, I would lay down on the front seat and cry my way to school. I discovered Elvis Presley probably when I was in second grade. And I saw this man, and I saw this man who was wildly popular, and, and women would scream when they heard his voice. And, and, and he was everything that I thought I wanted to be. And when he died, I cried for a year. Now, it's kind of interesting. In 1998, I had a heart attack. I had strep throat. I threw a blood clot. Went from bench pressing 350 pounds to being told I shouldn't push too hard on the toilet. That's what happens when you have a heart attack. Carried around nitroglycerin in my pocket for a year. As a 32-year-old man, that's pretty hard to take. Lisa Marie Presley's heart stopped yesterday. They weren't able to start it again. The more I became older, and I always, I always thought, if I could live to 42 years old, I'd beat Elvis Presley. But now I've beaten Elvis Presley by 15 years. Lisa didn't uh, live 12 years longer than Elvis. He, uh, she had a history, or her family had a, a history of heart disease, uh, grandparents, uh, Elvis's mother, and of course Elvis ultimately died of a, uh, of a heart attack in 1977. Um, Lisa Marie Presley, her final social media post, she opened up about how uh, grief that she felt, and she felt destroyed following the death of her son. Now, her son killed himself two years ago. He was 27 years old. And in her final Instagram post before her death, she talked about the life after her son, Benjamin, had died. She said, today is National Grief Awareness Day, and since I have been living with the horrific reality of its unrelenting grip since my son's death two years ago, I would like to share a few things to be aware of in regard for grief for everyone who is interested, she wrote to her 583,000 followers. It's not to help yourself, but maybe we can help another who is grieving. Grief does not stop or go away in any sense. She admitted to feeling judged and blamed for her son's death. I already battle and beat myself up tirelessly and chronically blaming myself for every single day, and that's hard enough to live with, but others will judge and blame you too, even secretly or behind your back, when, which is even more cruel and painful on top of everything else. Lisa Marie Presley did not live an easy life. You're thinking, oh, of course she did. She was born into wealth. She spent her life. Her daddy died when she was very young. And she never had him around, but she did have to deal with the fact that her father was Elvis Aaron Presley. And so she never had a life. She never had her life. She had a life as Elvis's daughter, but she never had her life. And it's easy to cast stones at people and say, oh, she married Michael Jackson, or oh, she's this and all that. She didn't have an easy life, guys. And ultimately, when you are born into something like this, and I remember I used to want to be Elvis, man. And then I realized what a, what a cage of a life he lived in. If you get to see the, uh, the new biopic that came out last year, it really crystallized it for me. Because it showed that he was basically a trained animal. And he went on stage and he became somebody who he really wasn't. 
And that's what he did. And he tried to have a normal life. And he got married. And he had a little girl. And he died when she was seven. And she never recovered. So... I wanted to say this because Elvis Presley has always had a uh, a very uh, I've had a soft spot in my in my life for Elvis Presley my entire life, and I feel terrible for the way that hers ended. Uh, prayers. Let's take a break. It's the Rob Carson Show. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders, no matter how big your business grows, and they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. And by the grace of God, it is finally Friday, last hour of the show. We're going to cram as much content as we can into the show. Uh, commentary, comedy, content, all of that stuff. I do want to mention, I didn't, I didn't mention that uh, uh, a little while ago, I, t- I talked about how uh, Lisa Marie Presley passed away at 54 years old, and, and I didn't mention, and I had said that I, I too had a uh, mitocardial infarction when I was 32 years old, uh, brought on my strep throat, and um, the reason why I brought that up in 1998 is my wife, before my son was born, took me to Graceland. And uh, even though I'd left my childhood, uh, you know, a long time ago, I cried at his graveside um, for a variety, uh, a lot of reasons. For those of you who don't know, uh, and I won't spend much time on this, but I, I want to finish the story. For those of you who don't know, uh, understand the depth to which um, Elvis fans are I don't know. I, there's a phenomenon about Elvis Aaron Presley. I don't know what it is. It's not about sexuality necessarily, maybe a little bit of it, but there's something about Elvis Aaron Presley, what he did. He changed the world. He took he took music from, you ain't nothing but a hound dog crying all the time, to, you ain't nothing but a... He changed the world. He changed everything. Before Elvis Aaron Presley, there was a white sport coat and a pink carnation and you uh, and you wore a suit to your uh sock hop or whatever the hell it was before i was born i just know this because i'm a sponge for cop pop culture but elvis presley changed everything he stole from black people no 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 he didn't he did not no 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 if anything he 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 paid homage to them he paid homage to them like led zeppelin did to the great blues performers like robert johnson of the 1920s it was taking cues from what they did and putting their own take on it that's why he was extraordinary but what he didn't realize is that he would live in a cage the rest of his life and his daughter was born into that cage and she probably loved her daddy like any little girl could ever love a daddy. But he died when he when she was eight years old. I guess she was born in '68, so I guess she would have been eight, probably eight, almost nine years old when he when he passed. And she, the rest of her life, was Elvis Presley's daughter. And I'm just sad for her. Um, I'm sad for all of the, to be quite honest, the bull crap that she had to endure. I mean, she made some mistakes, but I just, uh, I don't know. There's just something about this story, and I'm just really sad. I'm sad that her son killed himself, and she, that's what killed her, I think. I really do. I think that's what killed her. 
can't even imagine the pain she went through, and and even worse to be in the spotlight as your son kills himself is just something I don't think you ever recover from. I don't know. Just felt like I wanted to say that to you. Yeah, give you a little uh, pull back the curtain a little bit, like they did with Kevin McCarthy last week in Congress. Yeah. So there's a, I'll get more into this. By the way, emails to the White House and Facebook. Facebook admits suppressing often true content on COVID vaccines. How's that make you feel? So not only did they did they uh, suppress content that was supposedly disinformation and misinformation, it looks like they knew. <laughs> it looks like they actually knew that the vaccines weren't what they were cracked up to be. You got the Missouri AG, Aaron Bailey, released documents earlier this week. Bailey obtained them through a court case, Missouri versus Biden, which is going on right now, alleging that President Biden and top officials colluded with big tech to social to uh, to, uh, to co- collaborate with social media companies, violate Americans' rights to free speech. Yeah, it happened. But in an email to the White House dated March 21st, 2021, a Facebook staff member discussed levers for tackling vaccine hesitancy content with Andrew Slavitt, then a senior advisor on Biden's COVID-19 response team, and Rob Flaherty, White House director of a digital strategy. Here's a quote from one of those. As you know, in addition to removing vaccine misinformation, we have been focused on reducing the virality of content discouraging vaccines that does not contain actionable information, meaning... That if it's true, but it is disparaging, we need that taken down. This is often true content, which we, we, we allow at the post level because it is important for people to be able to discuss both their personal experiences and concerns about the vaccine. But it can be framed as sensation, alarmist or shocking. So you knew the government, and I told you this, guys, I told you this. I said misinformation and disinformation is not about the truth. It's about the government's truth. And when they decide that what you, if you know the truth, they'll call what you say mis- or disinformation. And then there's this. Federal vaccine advisors have expressed their outrage that government scientists and the pharmaceutical company Moderna neglected to share damning data about its booster shot during discussions about whether it should be foisted upon the public. They created a vaccine booster they knew didn't work. And all they saw was a payday. They saw $5 billion from the U.S. government. So they covered up data. And the FDA approved it and the CDC approved it. And we paid for it. According to a CNN report published Wednesday, the infection data that was conveniently withheld from both U.S. Food and Drug Administration and CDC vaccine advisors last summer suggested the possibility that the updated booster might not be any more effective at preventing COVID-19 infections than the original shots. In other words, that shot was worthless. The FDA ultimately authorized the Moderna bivalent or or whatever the hell it is vaccine August 31st. The agency reportedly did not publicize the previously omitted infection data until September the 13th. And by the way, Joe Biden, he just said that uh, he was extending the COVID emergency. Why do you suppose that this vaccine booster was allowed to pass? Oh, emergency youth authorization. 
Kaiser Family Foundation reported as early as December the U.S. had purchased nearly 171 million doses of the bivalent booster for approximately $4.9 billion. The CDC indicated that over 48.2 million people ages 5 and older have been given a bivalent booster. Doses of January the 4th, approximately 33 million doses of Moderna's updated booster have been delivered and 17.5 million doses have been administered. 21 advisors on the vaccines and related biological products advisory committee convened in the summer of 2022 to consider the efficacy and deployment of Moderna's proposed new booster shot. Among the panelists were infectious disease experts and vaccinologists from various esteemed universities. Impressed by an apparent need to roll out a new booster, the booster, the panelists listened to the presentation on June 28th from Moderna President Stephen Hodge detailing the findings in a then-brand-new preprint study that his company had funded. He sang the bivalent booster's praises, suggesting it was superior at producing antibodies set to tackle the Omicron variant. And you know what? It wasn't. The advisors received a 22-page FDA briefing document that uh, similarly omitted the infection data, meaning that it wasn't any, any help at all. It wasn't a, indeed a boost from the previous shot. Hmm. The FDA approved, approved the booster shortly thereafter. The U.S. government ultimately purchased $1.74 billion worth of doses from Moderna alone. <laughs> they didn't even know the booster. They, they had evidence that the booster did not work. And they covered it up. Guys, I told you this. <laughs> and it's not your fault that you... And, 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 and listen, I'm not saying the, the, the vaccine is a bad thing overall. For those who have uh, comorbidities, the older, I, I, I'll just... If you made that decision, it's your decision. But I don't like being lied to. And, uh, and, I, and, and this, is, this is all going to come out. I, I had something, a funny feeling about the entire COVID overreaction. 2020 was 2020 because it was 2020. And now we know that the COVID virus was re- used for a lot of things, to command control people's lives during an election year, to change how we vote, where we vote, how we can vote, get big billionaire money involved in the election process, control everything in people's lives, and then make a crap ton of money for the pharmaceutical companies. So, I don't know. Let's go to, uh, da, 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 da. let's do Bruce in uh, Timonium, Maryland. Hey, Bruce, what's up, buddy? Hey, Rob, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, uh, what's up? You were talking about Elvis being born into a cage, and it made me think of a movie. I don't know if you ever saw it. You ever see a movie called Bubba Hotep? Oh, Bubba Hotep with Bruce Campbell. Are you kidding me? That's a great movie. <laughs> Yeah, buddy, you're going to be hard pressed to not find a movie about Elvis Presley that I haven't seen. <laughs> well, but make your for those who haven't seen it, how he was born in a cage and the whole plot of that. How Bruce Campbell just tried to uh, hide away to get out of the limelight for a while. That was it was just a great movie. Yeah, it, it is a good. And by the way, Bruce Campbell is a folk hero of mine, uh, and I would give I would give anything to get Bruce Campbell on this show. Well, that'd be uh, great if you did. Uh, buddy, and for those who don't know, Bruce Campbell, he's originally Evil Dead. Uh, he did uh, a bunch of movies, largely kind of B-movies, but he's incredible uh, shop 
S smart, you know, and a whole. He is uh, uh, to me. Uh, I, he is one of my idols, Bruce uh, Bruce Campbell. Um, I appreciate the phone call there, Bruce. Have a great day. You too, bud. You too. You too. Uh, let's go. Do we still have Gary in Kingsville, Maryland? We do. Let's go to Gary. He wants to talk about uh, Biden's classified documents. Uh, Gary, what's up, buddy? Okay. How you doing, Rob? Good, buddy. What's up? You know who Willie Sutton is, right? Um, Robert. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I think if Willie Sutton was still alive, he'd want to have Kareem uh, Jean-Pierre as his press secretary because she would just keep repeat, re- repeating over and over ad nauseum that Willie takes federally insured bank deposits very seriously. <laughs> now, you're, for those who don't know, uh, William uh, Sutton uh, was a bank robber. He, uh, he, his, what was his heyday was back in the uh, in the twenties, and he was like a, he was like a, uh, uh, I guess not a folk hero kind of Bonnie and Clyde esque kind of character is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's a good. That's a good point. That's a good point, Gary. Appreciate the phone call. Appreciate the phone call. I want to mention this, uh, and we've got a bunch of stuff to come up, including I want to get into uh, Lori Lightfoot. Um, she literally, uh, she thought she could get uh, administrators to uh, get kids to volunteer for her campaign. She thought that'd be a good idea. Uh, we're going to get to that. Um, uh, some stuff going on in New York. Another failed mayor there putting up uh, illegals in uh, very expensive hotels, and the illegals are uh, giving him a little bee slap right back. But there is a new book out. It's called uh, The Final Battle. David Horowitz has put this thing together, and it's fascinating. We're hopefully going to get him on next week. Uh, Democrats, woke culture, new generation, destroying our culture, ending our freedoms. And if you want to find out what is happening in our schools, in our churches, even our military, you just have to go to uh, finalbattle611.com. You will get a free copy of the book. You're going to save yourself 28 bucks. You'll also get signed up for the Newsmax newsletter, which is awesome. Newsmax updates are fantastic. Just go to uh, finalbattle611.com. That's finalbattle611.com. And watch Newsmax today. Let's take a break. It's the Rob Carson Show. If you don't like his opinion, see the First Amendment and get back to us. It's the Rob Carson Show. I was just posting a picture on social media. It's one of the things that I keep in my office. Uh, it's a backstage pass from Elvis Presley's last concert. I uh, I got that in uh, in the 90s from a friend of mine who did radio with uh, Elvis Presley is uh, is and always will be my all-time idol. Um, and I would encourage you to watch the new biopic. It's pretty fascinating. Uh, okay, so you know this guy, uh, George Santos. Everybody's talking about George Santos. He's a liar. He's a congenital liar. He's a, he's a, and, and somehow, for some reason, all of a sudden, being a liar is bad in Congress. How many of you knew that uh, uh, Congress is 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 absolutely populated by the worst liars uh, who have ever walked the planet and, and and we also have a president one of the worst liars in the history of the country he lied about everything but suddenly everybody wants this guy hadn't even uh, voted on anything in congress yet they want him gone for the same sort of crap that people like i don't know elizabeth warren pulled for years this is our george santos theme song about elizabeth warren they want George Santos' resignation. This is Jim Gossett, by the way. But what about Liz and the Cherokee Nation? I don't think he should resign. I'll explain in a second. About her heritage, she lied. And still the fake news took her side. She should be kicked out. 
Oh, wait, she's a Democrat. The biggest fraud you ever saw. Liz made her husband call her squaw. How high are you? Hi, how are you? Cherokee people, Liz ain't that kind. She lost her soul. She lost her mind. George Santos said some things untrue. But Elizabeth Warren did it too. Did it too. Biden too. Blumenthal too. All right, for everybody who's calling for uh, George Scythos to resign, how about you just shut the hell up? I know, I shouldn't say that. He's a liar. He's a liar. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, I, I don't give a rat's behind about George Santos. You know, he is a liar. I wouldn't trust him. I wouldn't want to hang out with him, uh, whatever. But you know what? Uh, he's done nothing illegal. Tell me something that George Santos has done that's illegal. Let's see. He uh, said he had a 3.89 GPA in college. Uh, let's see. What else has he said he has done that he lied about? Uh, he said that he is of Ukrainian Jewish descent. <laughs> oh, my God. He's got to go. Elizabeth Warren. He claims his mother died in the 9-11 terrorist attack. Okay, yeah, not illegal. Not illegal. Uh, A lot of people pad their resumes. Santos said he attended a prestigious New York prep school. Oh, my God. He's got to go. No, not illegal. He called, uh, uh, let's see, he he said that he he had a gold, he worked at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup on his resume. Oh, gasp, shriek. He could never be a congressman. Apparently, he uh, claimed to have lost four employees in the Pulse nightclub last massacre. I don't know why people do that, but sometimes people do. It makes them look better. Said he was the founder of a charitable foundation. He wasn't. But, you know, it's kind of weird. Clinton uh, Global Initiative never did anything but took in hundreds of million dollars from Russian oligarchs. And the uh, Penn Biden Center took in oh, about $70 million from uh, the Chinese communists. So what do you think is worse? Saying you created a charitable foundation or creating a fake one and taking money from our enemies. How about that? He claimed $2,250 was stolen in a mugging on his way to pay rent, but cops have no record of the incident. Well, he didn't uh, say that he was walking home in the dead of night in Chicago with a sub sandwich and put a fake noose around his neck and pour bleach on himself and blame it on Trump supporters. So there's that. Oh, yeah, and he's, uh, he's also, um, you know, if you're going to go ahead and use the, uh, the standard, you know, lying is bad, um, I really think that you need to listen to this guy. I had the great honor of being arrested with our U.N. ambassador on the streets of Soweto trying to get to see him on Robbins Island. I guess the question is, were you confused or were you just trying to embellish a story? They think I'm kidding, man. Seems like yesterday, the first time I got arrested anyway. Never been arrested. But I am a hard coal miner. Never was a coal miner. Anthracite coal, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Hell, I might be president now if it weren't for the fact I said my, uh, I had an uncle who was a coal miner. Turned out I didn't have anybody in the coal mines, you know what I mean? Really? I tried that crap, you know. My dad was not a, was he was a salesperson. He wasn't a coal miner. My great-grandpa was. But... I used to drive a tractor trailer. Oh, yeah, I never drove a tractor trailer. And so I know a little bit about driving big trucks. No, that's great. But, um, and Corn Pop was a bad dude. 
And he ran a bunch of bad boys. This is God's truth. My word is a Biden. Uh, (laughs) The word is a Biden. That's fantastic. Lied to voters, according to the New York Times, uh, quoting aides of of Biden's, uh, about having marched in the civil rights movement. Okay, now, so Nancy Mace and all you guys who uh, are, uh, you know, uh, trying to make yourself, uh, put yourself above the fray, calling for George Santos to resign because he's so embarrassing. Uh, You better do the same thing, though, about half half of Congress and the president. How about that? Otherwise, shut up. He can, be re- he can remain a congressman. Telling untruths is not illegal. Doesn't make you a great person, but, you know, you should fit in fine in Congress. Last hour of the show, half hour of the show, right ahead. Don't go anywhere. Ain't freedom of expression great? To follow Rob Carson on social media, go to Truth Social Getter, Facebook and Twitter, at Rob Carson Show. I want to remind you, if you're in the Atlanta area, Jim Gossett, the guy who does all the great songs that we uh, have on the show, um, we collaborate on a lot of stuff, and you hear it every day, and you hear it on the podcast. He's got a live show tomorrow night in Atlanta. Um, and uh, if you want details on it, go to newsmakerline.com. If you're looking for, uh, you know, a great stand-up material, and then also he incorporates the musical element. It's a really good show. It's not all politics. Some of it is politics, obviously. And you'll hear some of the hits, like, take this jab and stub it, you know, and those that we do on the show. Uh, newsmakerline.com. If you want to get tickets. So uh, EVs not only are for posers, which is what I say, because, um, and, and, I'll, and I'll explain why, okay? I had to sell cars for a couple of years. And uh, that's how I paid the bills and saved my marriage and uh, stayed in my house. And that's why I'm not living under a bridge now and why I'm a nationally syndicated talk show host. That said, uh, EVs, uh, technology way off, okay? EV has been around for everybody. One of the original cars was an EV, and they decided to go with gas. It's because of the oil lobby. No, it's because EVs suck. That's why... Uh, and there goes my microphone. Let me grab it here real quick. Hold on a second. My, my microphone just slipped off. Must be, uh, must be the, the electric car people trying to get it back at me. Anyway, here we go. Uh, EVs are, um, the technology is not perfected. The, uh, the grid is not there to uh, uh, create electricity for e- electric cars. Um, and, uh, and basically most of the uh, EVs in this country have to be powered by um, uh, coal plants, uh, natural gas plants, all of that, all right? So your your posing, your virtue signaling and whatnot by buying an EV are stupid uh, if you're doing it for that reason. Maybe other reasons you want it. I don't know, I don't know why you'd want one, to be quite honest. Uh, I guess to save money, uh, you know, whatever. The better thing to have done or to do is to get a hybrid, okay? A hybrid has a gas engine. It has an electric motor, and uh, the the electric motor is powered by braking, and uh, and negative. Uh, if you take your foot off the gas, your electric motor is charged. Okay, you can use the electric motor. The electric motor kicks in in inner city driving, and that makes that means you get higher gas mileage in the city, and it's a perfect combination. It, it works beautifully. If you're going to save some money on gas, your best bet is to get a hybrid. Even the president of Toyota says, "You really your best bet is getting a, a hybrid because honestly, we're not going to invest in all these electric cars because they're for posers." Please, don't get an electric pickup truck 
if you if you own a drywall company, you 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 know you you uh, maybe you uh, do interiors and you put lay tile or whatever. If you get an uh, you know electric pickup truck, you're going to get hosed. Uh, because as soon as you put any payload in an electric vehicle, it, the battery dies. As soon as it's cold weather, the battery dies. The, the, uh, the, as soon as you know, if you have to drive through a lot of hill, hilly, you're not going to get any mileage out of them. I'm just going to tell you that, that, that the government uh, you know, mandating these electric cars is a big mistake because these cars are going to be worthless. But now, apparently, the safety risk posed by heavy electric vehicles in any collision with lighter vehicles has pushed the head of the National Transportation Safety Board to issue a general warning to all road users. So those big fat batteries apparently weigh a lot more than your little car, and uh, and basically uh, these people driving around in their EVs with their uh, uh, their coexist bumper sticker that spelled out of religious symbols on the back, uh, they're driving death traps for you. As an example, and this is a vehicle that I've talked about that that looked really cool during the Super Bowl a couple of years ago in a commercial, but now you realize what a gigantic debacle and piece of crap it is. The GMC Hummer. There's a car dealership literally a stone's throw a stone's throw from my home. They got four of these $130,000 white hummers sitting there and they've been there for 8 months. You know why? Cuz nobody wants the dang things. You know why? Cuz they weigh 9,000 pounds. You want to know what the battery weighs? Do you want to know what the battery weighs on on a Hummer, electric Hummer? 2,900 pounds. <laughs> weighs 2,900 pounds. The battery weighs more than a Honda Civic. This is a quote from Jennifer Hummendy of the uh, what the National T the TSA board, who wants to distract from a terrible, terrible transportation secretary. Uh, I'm concerned about the increased risk of severe injury or death for all road users from heavier curb weights and increasing size, power, and performance on vehicles. Yeah, the performance is not increasing on our roads, including electric vehicles. The extra weight EVs typically carry stems from outsized mass of the batteries to achieve 300 more miles of range per charge. An EV batteries have to weigh thousands of pounds. The official noted the F-150 Lightning EV pickup is two to 3,000 pounds heavier <laughs> than the same model combustion version. The Mustang Mach-E, uh, it's a, it doesn't even look like a Mustang. It looks like a bad hybrid uh, EV. And the Volvo XC40 EV are roughly 33% heavier than their gasoline counterparts. Yeah. Reuters uh, reports acting in HTSA administrator Ann Carlson told reporters of Monday the agency was studying the impact of vehicle size on roadway safety. Maybe this is a signal from the federal government that uh, investing in EV technology is uh, going to is not going to is not going to end well. <laughs> it's just not going to end well. You're going to end up with a lot of rotten cars that nobody wants. And and you can't re- you you can't afford the batteries. I'm just going to tell you, most people would not afford the batteries. Normally, you don't come to a point in your in your car. You say you got a thirty thousand dollar car, and you get a hundred thousand miles into it, and suddenly you need a fifteen thousand dollar battery. What's going to happen to that car? You want to replace a battery? I didn't think so. Uh, let's see here. Um, who do we have on line? We have Alice in Catonsville, Maryland, on the line. Hello there, Alice. How are you? Welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Rob. Love your show. Thanks for taking my call. You're awesome. <laughs> I love all the things that you talk about, you know, from Elvis and, and from you opening up about yourself. And, you know, I think it's very healthy that you do that. And I was thinking about what you were just talking about with the EV situation. You know, so, yeah, you're right. Electric vehicles were, there were 
electric vehicles before gas really took off. And uh, it, there's an old Fred McMurray movie called uh, Follow Me Boys, and it's about him being a Boy Scout leader. And mm-hmm. at one point, I remember there's a scene where he's talking to some guy who pulled up in a, I think it's old aunt's uh, car, and he's like, oh, you got one of those old electric jobs, eh? Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's... they were like considered obsolete back then. Wow, Alice, and, Alice, uh, you, found a, you found a pop culture reference that I don't even know about. Congratulations. <laughs> that is bravo. Never even heard of that movie. My well, God. Well, <laughs> wow. happens when you had, have a dad who was in World War II. My dad was born in 1919. Ah. And uh, uh. so he was 10 years old when the Depression hit. And... Uh, yeah, and so in the 30s, he told me, so this this kind of made me want to call in when you were talking with Jorge, was it Inglesias? Is that his name? Yeah, last hour. Yes, he, uh, fabulous interview. Thanks for having him on. Yeah. Um, anyway, he was talking about, you know, you guys were talking about, you had said something to him about not, um, America hasn't really had to deal with not having food on the shelves. Well, Except for back in the Depression era where my dad yeah. would talk to me about how Maryland hunters had to go to Pennsylvania to hunt deer because there were no deer in wow. Maryland. Wow. And he said, I guess people were hungry. You know, yeah. he just kind of yeah. said it like that. Like, you know, because my, my dad did grow up very d- dirt poor. And um, and then, yeah, because he was in West Virginia actually growing up. And then he... Uh, in 1937 is when he graduated high school and there were no jobs, and he wanted to enlist in the Army Air Corps. However, he was not an American citizen, so they drafted him. <laughs> wow. Army wow. Infantry. But anyway, so yeah, since my dad's older, you know, is older, and because um, he, he passed away quite a while ago. But yeah, there's a lot of things that I know about American history firsthand because of him and yeah and, we, know, we we live we live in it and what what many around the turn of the last century would consider an embarrassment of riches you you and i have never yeah. known need before dear god in heaven are you kidding me we just have stuff and, uh, and, and yeah yeah every yeah. time i go into the grocery store and it's february and i see plums are available for me to eat i think I'm I'm living a miracle because you know medieval kings <laughs> in the winter time were not able to get plums. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Wealthy they were, but but you're well, awesome. I hope you have a fabulous weekend, Rob. You bet. Yeah, thank you very much for the thoughts, Alice. I do I do appreciate it. I'm glad you like the stories that I share, yes. and they're going to become very thick because I've got a lot of life uh, that that <laughs> and and a lot of things. I've, I've been through a lot of stuff, and and I I try yeah. to bring those stories to the fore, uh, you know, to kind of uh, share with you. And, uh, yeah, well, and yeah, Exactly. Thank you for sharing your life with us. And, and we are, I'm hoping you're going to be sharing your life for quite a long time with us. So, I so. hope so. I, I hope so. I don't want to sell cars again. I ain't going to do that anymore. All right. God bless yeah. you, girl. All right. Let's go to Brian and Balmer. Brian, welcome to the show. Baltimore, Maryland. What's going on, buddy? Hey, Rob. Thank you for having me on here again. Uh, you know, in regards to these cars and uh, trucks and it's the EVs going EV, right? Uh, you think these dealers are really laying it out on the table to the buyers? Are they getting the Joe Biden effect? No answers, no problems. Do as we say, not as we do. 
Well, I think what you're you're thinking here is you think that the salesperson is the firewall between, uh, you know, dishonesty on the corporate board and the customer. I think people who are selling these cars, by and large, uh, believe in the cars. The company believes in the cars. Um, I don't think they're trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. I am brutally honest about EVs because I personally think they're... You know, we are not anywhere near where we need to be as far as uh, the, the power grid and the technology Amen. to be able to have electric vehicles. Amen. Amen. Uh, and one more question. Yeah. One more question. Mm-hmm. Uh, in regards to these electric cars, uh, what about, like, fires and explosions upon impact? Like when there's high impact. Well, Brian, you also did you also see when there was all the the, the hurricane in Florida, some of these cars when they get submerged and when when a car battery one of those batteries catch fire, it's like the it's it's like the China syndrome, dude. I mean it is like the China syndrome. These things will like burn all the way through the earth, I swear to God. So so once they catch on fire, it's over. All right, bro, thanks for the phone call. Thanks. You know, I, I'm not here to, uh, if you bought an electric vehicle and it works for you, I, I wish you the best. I really, really do. Um, but I just know that most people don't want the cars. And if you talk to any dealer, they'll say, yeah, America does not want electric cars. Electric cars don't have the range. They don't have the charging stations. They don't have the infrastructure. They don't have the uh, the power. They don't have uh, they that torque. They got torque from here to Sunday, man. You can get a, a nine thousand pound uh, Hummer to zero to sixty in three seconds, but that's great. But if you try to tow a trailer behind it, you're going to be stopping every hundred miles to, to to charge the thing. You're you're better off if you're going if you want to worry if you're worried about fuel economy and if you you are not just a commuter. Get a hybrid, all right? And if you if you want to go a step further and get a, even more mileage, get a plug-in hybrid. Now, a plug-in hybrid, let me explain the difference between a plug-in hybrid and a, and a regular hybrid. Plug-in hybrid, you plug in at home and you charge your electric, your battery there. And then you drive 40 miles on your electric charge. Once you get past about 40 miles, the gas engine kicks up kicks in because the the electric motor you know the the battery gets worn down so that's what happens and then when you get to your your you know say for instance you commute 40 miles uh or 50 miles 40 miles of that you're riding on the electric motor 10 miles you're running on the gas so you are getting technically if some of these like the uh the plug-in um uh, uh, uh prius 160 miles a gallon is what they say 160 miles a gallon and the reason being is if it's a commuter car, most of the driving will be on the electric motor. You're going to have to pay for the electric to plug your car in, but you won't have to fill up with gas all the time. So plug-in hybrid is also an option. They've got a variety of those. But if you just take, <laughs> it's so stupid, leap from gas engine over hybrid, over plug-in hybrid to electric, which I, it, all the things I just said about electric vehicles, why you don't want them? All of those are true. So I would just say uh, nothing against you guys that have electric vehicles. If it's your little commuter car, it's great. It's cool. It's perfect. But nobody worth their salt has a pickup that hauls drywall, has an electric vehicle. Nobody who wants to go- take their family camping with a fifth wheel on the back across the country is ever going to have an electric vehicle. It's just not going to happen. But if you drive to your, your job at wherever, a little commute, your electric vehicle's fine. I'm just telling you. That's, that's, I don't have anything against electric vehicles. I'm just saying 
that are not ready for prime time. Let's take a break and come back. This is the Rob Carson Show. Here's to a record-setting president. Joe Biden setting record-low approval ratings. What the Democrats have put our nation through, it is a sad day. It's the Rob Carson Show. This is not an EV. <laughs> I choose my own bumper music, by the way, in case you didn't know. It's, it's all mine. It's all my fault. Um, before we go to phone calls, something we haven't done in a while. It's a catch the stupid update. It's something I do on my TV show. It's a, I came up with this expression, don't catch the stupid, because of all the stupid that was created by the government with regard to COVID. But there's all sorts of stupid out there, uh, including uh, making people drive uh, EVs and getting rid of gas stoves. So leftists always uh, try to be anti-racist and they end up being super duper racist. Like, for instance, the other day, I think it was one of the Ivy League schools are getting rid of the world uh, word field, like uh, do work in the field, like in the field of whatever. And they say it's because of all the black and brown people that work in fields. What they fail to realize is that white people work in fields, too. Uh, Asian people work in fields, too, all over the world. I I grew up working in fields and uh, it's an insult. You know why it's an insult? Because it assumes that the only people who work in fields are black and Hispanic, meaning the only thing they can do is work in fields. So that's where you're an idiot, by the way. And that's where you're a racist more than I ever dreamed of being a racist when you say stupid crap like that. Well, here's the latest. In Canada, the Canadian Girl Scouts have decided... (laughs) Are you ready for this? (laughs) They've decided that the name Brownie is racist. So the Canadian girls got to drop the name Brownie in the favor. Uh, they come up with the word embers. And apparently the, the word Brownie offended some of its members. No, it didn't. It, it, it embarrassed a couple of den moms named Karen. The name changed announced, with the, uh, announced by the Girl Guides of Canada uh, to create a more inclusive space for seven or eight-year-olds uh, in Girl Scouts. So they're going to change them to embers because Brownie is an off- <laughs> it's offensive to black people. <laughs> Or a whatever Indian be like, this is so stupid. It's so stupid. By taking action and changing the name to Embers, Girl Guides is living our promise to take action for a better world. And we are showing girls that what they say matters. This is something I couldn't be more proud to be a part of. Wow, you people are really, say it with me, you people are stupid. Stupid, 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 people, 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 people. Just plain stupid. Stupid, 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 stupid. stupid. Who got stupid? All right, I got stupid to have a good time. Yeah, that's right. Brownie, you know, Brownie makes it. <laughs> stupid, stupid. Uh, let's see here. Um, let's go to Mike in Baltimore. We don't have much time, and he just has a quick joke he wants to tell. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for holding. Go right ahead. Mike, are you there? Okay, that was anticlimactic. Uh, Stuart in Baltimore, give me about 45 seconds of what you're going to say. Go ahead. Okay, um, three things. One, has anyone ever considered how much um, power the power grid has for all these electric vehicles? Yeah. And two, um, what is the, the, the cost to our bridges and, and roads from all this extra weight? Yeah, I think they should have, they have to pay... Yeah, and they're not going to be paying, by the way, uh, EVs don't pay gas tax, and they're going to be using the roads, so they're going to have to come up with some big fat tax on electric vehicles. 
right? Many, how many ice um, manufacturers are there? Incombustible, you know, engine vehicles. All right, Stuart, I got to run. I, I got to run. I wish we over thirty of these of these EV companies. All right, I got to go. I'm sorry. I apologize. Back in a second. This is the Rob Carson Show. That's going to do it for the show, guys. You've got to watch my show, Rob Carson's What in the World on Newsmax this weekend. It's one is epic and hilarious and awesome. NewsmaxTV.com. That's the tales. God bless you. Have a glorious weekend. Until Monday, don't catch the stupid. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.